We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean for W. Thank you for joining us today on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning, the last day of 2023, New Year's Eve. And you see the title of the space, the morning after. Um, And yes, there was a game last night. The Knicks lost to the Pacers, but quite frankly, I didn't really care about the outcome of the game because we were shorthanded, not because of not, I mean, partially due to injuries as Mitch is will be, will be gone for the foreseeable future. Um, as well as uh, Quentin Grimes is out with a non COVID related illness, but we uh, were down two of our core players, two of the core members of our rebuild as R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly were traded to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for O.G. Ananobi. Oh, excuse me. Along with a second-round pick in exchange for O.G. Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. Uh, What I've learned is whenever big news happens in sports, whether it's a trade, a release, a free agent signing, anything, uh, any type of transaction, I've learned to try to take a day to process it. So, like, as soon as the news came down, and Robert and um, Robert and Kevin, we will get to you. I'll I'll pull you up momentarily. Robert Cross, I see you. We'll bring you on stage as well. Um, but uh, I say, you know, what? I'm going to take 24 hours. And I'm going to just take everything in. I'm going to read other people's reactions. I'm going to formulate my own thoughts uh, because how I feel, how I felt yesterday, it will not be the same how I felt today. And immediately when the news broke, I said to Andrew Claudio, I said, we're doing study hall tomorrow. So first of all, Robert Cross, who has been begging for study hall this weekend, I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. But man plans and God laughs, right? So I... I'm going to review my I'll give my stance on I'll give my stance um, from three perspectives. The idea of the trade, 
who the Knicks received and who the Knicks sent out. And then after that, we will go, we will, we will open the floor up to questions, thoughts, comments, observations, agendas, narratives, whatever. Um, Give me one second. Okay. First, the idea of the trade. Every damn, if not every, damn near every championship team has a wing stopper. And it was very evident. I mean, this team, this very evident this team needed a big wing stopper. Uh, there was hope that Quentin Grimes could have been that, but Quentin Grimes is only 6'4", and I know height, measuring plays height is triggering for some, but uh, Quentin Grimes is not as good as, is not necessarily the best at guarding up a position, uh, guarding up a position. Not that he's bad or poor, but, uh, you know, ones and twos, yeah, threes, you know, some of them could give him some trouble. That's fine. So, if the idea of this team is to win the championship, you need one of those guys. I mean, go back and look at the last 10 NBA, look at recent NBA champions, like guys on like, you know, Draymond Green, Aaron Gordon last year for the Nuggets, uh, Clay Thompson. Um, like, I don't have to mention, like, obviously you have the Heatles, even the the, uh, the the 11 Mavericks that has Sean Marion. Like you have big guys on the wing who can defend. So the idea of that trade makes sense. And I think in a vacuum, any most all sensible Nick fans would agree that that wasn't necessary. Who we received. So I'll start in order of importance. Um, Presses Achua, he could be a backup five. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't necessarily do the things necessarily that this team wants their centers to do. It wouldn't surprise me if he's moved on for somebody else. Hi, Andre Drummond. Um, but, you know, we clearly need the size because Taj Gibson cannot play any, like, extended minutes anymore. Like, we tried. We gave it a good effort. We love Taj. He's a soldier. But it is what it is. Malachi Flynn. Um Malachi Flynn will compete for the backup point guard role with Deuce McBride. Um, I, I, I fashion Malachi Flynn as a quadruple A player for those who don't follow baseball. Uh, a quadruple A player is given to a guy is, is a name given for a guy who's really good in triple. He's too good for triple A baseball, which is the highest level of the minor league system. But when he gets to the majors, he's just not good enough. So they say he's a quadruple A player. And I think Deuce McBride is a quadruple A player because he's too damn good for the G league. But I don't know if he is an, a consistent NBA rotation player. He's an NBA player, but I don't know if he's an NBA ro- rotation player. So he will compete for that job. Now, why is the backup job available? We'll get to that in a second. And then the prize, OG Ananobi. Um, OG Ananobi is was is one of the five best wing defenders in the league. Uh, he made all he made all first team defense. Uh, no, excuse me, he was all NBA second team defense last year. Um, 
He is a career, and I had his stats, and I had his stats in front of me. I believe he's a career 37% three-point shooter. You know what? I'm just going to bring this up. We are going to do live podcasting. Ain't nothing like it. He is a career 37.5% three-point shooter. I believe in the, from the corners, he's like over 40% the last three seasons, and that is some, that shot has been wide the F open for every one of us, for, for, for our team this year. Uh he fits this team. I'm not gonna say perfectly, but very, very close to perfect. Uh, yeah, he fits. He's exactly what this team is needed. Um, and especially with the loss of Mitchell Robinson, we need that even more. So he's a welcome addition to this team. So in a vacuum, in a vacuum, in a vacuum, he any team would want him. In a vacuum, this team would want him. Um, so welcome to the team now for the players that went out and I will start with, you know, what? I'll start in alphabetical order. Um, we'll start by last name. So we'll start with Rowan. Rowan was the prize of a 17 and 65 season. And I don't know, like, obviously it wasn't that long ago, but it seems like that long ago. I remember because I lived in Philly at the time and I and I was, you know, my son at the time was two going on three. And those and uh, those games were hard to watch. Um, like, I think Ray Marcano reminded us that at I think the Knicks lost 18 games in a row that season, which I'm actually going to confirm right now. Uh, yes, they lost. <laughs> wow. They lost. They went winless from January 7th to February 13th in 2018, in 2018, 19 season. Um, and RJ was the prize. He wasn't the desired prize because that was the Zion draft and the, John Morant draft, although we didn't, John Zion was really the prize. And he was our highest draft pick since Patrick Ewing. And we thought, and he had the makeup. He was the number one. He was the number one high school prospect in the country going into this, doing to his freshman year and his only year at Duke. We thought we had a guy. And I'll be the first to tell you, and I've said it before. Was he in the was he in the ideal was was he in the ideal situation? No. I say this all the time. Usually when a team picks third and eighth in back to back years, they give the they give the keys to the third pick and the eighth pick and they say, have at it. And that didn't happen. Um for whatever reason that didn't happen. Me personally, I can say I supported RJ, I rooted for RJ. I wanted him to succeed here. He wanted to be here. He embraced me to Nick. He loved it here. But as time progressed, it, I just, for me, I realized that it wasn't going to work here. Um, partially because the guy that Steve Mills signed as the consolation prize and missed out on Kevin Durant turned to Larry Bird for one season and took the keys, took the keys of the franchise and never looked back. Um, and it just became evident just it wasn't going to work here. 
and it became evident that like the things that we wanted the the the, the players that were rumored that the Knicks were interested in and the and the spot and, and the air and the, some of the deficient areas this team had, you realize it's because RJ wasn't providing it. And I will push back on those people who say he didn't get a fair shot because he was here four and a half seasons. John did an amazing job in his newsletter. He played almost 10,000 minutes and the efficiency wasn't there. The decision maker was inconsistent. Like it just, I'm I'm not going to kick him while he's down because again, I said, I have four of his freaking jerseys. I well not well. I have two jersey shirts for my son. I got one, and I got uh, a jersey shirt for myself, and I got it in one of his jerseys. Like I've spent hundreds of dollars on RJ Barrett paraphernalia. Um, uh, paraphernalia is not the right word, but whatever. But it just wasn't going to work. It just wasn't working, and I hate to see him go. But that's the business. Finally. Emmanuel quickly. Uh, that he is a. You know what? We love home. Listen, everyone wants homegrown talent. Everyone wants their team. Like I always push back on the on the on the, on, on the term proper rebuild, as in the only way to build a team is to suck draft draft your best player, draft your second best player, draft your third best player, then win the championship. But Emmanuel Quickly is a New York success story. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly is a stroke of luck that we don't usually get because remember the pick that we acquired the pick from Emmanuel Quickly in the Marcus Morris trade. And the only reason we have Marcus Morris is because Steve Mills foolishly signed Marcus Morris, even after already signing Julius and Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis, right? And we draft this guy 25th and we didn't draft him for defense and he grew and he became the runner up for sixth man of the year and one of the best off ball help defenders in the NBA. He is a success story. And, it, and you want to talk about jerseys I own. I own his. I bought his jersey in April because I thought the writing was on the wall for RJ Barrett this summer and they were going to roll quickly. But it hurt, that one hurts. He's a, success, he's a success story. But you know what? To get good players, you got to trade good players. I'm not going to grade a trade 10 minutes after it happened. You, the trades like this take years to evaluate. And sometimes, and guess what? There's a, there's a dirty little secret. Sometimes a trade can work for both teams. Not every trade has to have a winner and a loser. Some trades have multiple winners. Some trades have multiple losers. I'll give you an example of idea of a trade that has multiple winners. The guy we played last night, Tyrese Halliburton. Would Tyrese Halliburton be Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento? Next to De'Aaron Fox? No. If you ask the Sacramento Kings, would they do that trade over again? They say absolutely, positively, yes. The trade worked for both teams. Hopefully, that is the case here. And and you don't have to become... You don't have to become... Um, 
you don't have to be the person that's like, all right, well, guess what? I want I want to see Amato quickly destroy us when we play him and watch he's gonna become all NBA perennial all-star and like man, like that's the business, man. Like listen, I, I saw Patrick Ewan get traded. And respectfully, Amato quickly and RJ Barrett will never hold a candle to Patrick Ewing. Now, yes, Patrick Ewing was at the end of his career. He was past his prime. He was on the downhill. He was out of the league two years. I think he retired two years later. But I saw Patrick Ewing get traded. If Patrick Ewing can get traded, anyone can get traded. And that may sound cold and heartless, but that's the that's the truth. That's the it's a business. So... You know, everyone I've been seeing on the timeline. It's not about who's not about the name of the front of the jersey. It's about the name of the. It's not about the name of the back jersey. It's about the name of the front, and that is true. I'm a Knicks fan first. I can I can appreciate players on other teams. I can root for players on other teams and be successful. But I'm a Knicks fan, and the Knicks took a step closer to becoming a championship team because clearly this trade wasn't made in a vacuum and there will be other trades that are coming and we're going to see what's going to happen. We're going to see what happens. Um, But that's my thoughts on the trade. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I've been talking way too long, so let's get to our listeners. Um, of course, Kevin Denishevsky went to listener. Um, so, and where did uh, Robert left also? Damn it. All right. Well, guess what? Robert Cross, the floor is Not yours. Not right here, Sean. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Robert, mm. we'll start with you, and then we will go to Kevin, and then uh, Robert Silverman, if you're still able to join, uh, we'll, we'll go to you next. Um, Robert Cross, the floor is yours. Listen, when I said I wanted to have a study hall this weekend, this isn't what I meant. Well, I mean, so was, listen, <laughs> right? I, listen, I told I told you the DMs. I was like, listen, it's New Year's Eve. Like, we don't have study hall on game days, and it's Sunday's New Year's Eve. Like, enjoy New Year's Eve. Yeah. And then um, beside Jerry and Leon Rose said, I have a better idea, and here we are. <clears throat> so uh, I'll talk about this in a – I appreciate your intro. It was uh, well done. Obviously, KFS has been all over this trade in the past 24 hours. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I'll, ta- I'll talk about how I feel about the trade, and I'll talk about what I think about the trade. I don't feel good. Okay, before you do that, really quickly, um, if you have a comment but you can't make it to the stage, please leave it in the chat in the lower right-hand corner, the little purple bubble, and we will address it on the air live. Thank you. Go ahead, Robert. 
Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's things, uh, there's how you feel, there's thoughts and there's actions. I don't feel good about the trade. And for me personally, and I look back the past four or five years and, and you're talking about coming out of, uh, the doldrums there several years ago, part of getting excited about the Knicks again has been the young guys. Now, Mitchell, IQ, RJ, Grimes. <clears throat> it's been a big facet for me personally. Now, <laughs> um, this goes in shortly into the thinking side of it. I knew, and I think some of us, knew the entire time. Um, I don't know if you know like that scene in The Wire, like when they were playing chess in the yard. The the kids all along, for the most part, have been pawns from my vantage point. Uh, our, Leon has a plan, and his plan was around trading for stars. And even when the Knicks were playing really well, like last year on the, and on that toward pace, um, I, I don't, I don't think for any, any minute or any real moment that most of these guys figured into the plan. And I, I personally think Grimes is going to be the next out the door. I doubt he'll even make a pass to trade them on. Um, and, and that's, that's just how it goes because at the end of the day, Sports is a business, and it's it's about yeah it's it's about money more than winning and whatever. Um, as as far as how I think about the trade, the trade was inev- inevitable. Um, the trade was inevitable the minute uh, Dante Di Vincenzo was signed, uh, and I'm talking more so about IQ specifically. Uh, it, it was obvious that he was going to get moved. He wasn't viewed as a starter, obviously. Uh, he wasn't viewed by this organization with somebody that could play with Brunson, which I don't agree with at all. Uh, and we'll we'll see how that plays out up north. I, th- I think it. I think it. Would, I think the handwriting was on the wall in re- in regard to that player. As far as RJ goes, and I was talking to Benji or something, um, and I agree with you, Sean, it wasn't going to work out for him here. I myself had even come to that realization. RJ, good, bad, and indifferent, was redundant with Randall. Uh, They both do similar things in different ways. They both want to operate under the basket. RJ, as kind of Mensa was talking about on the pod, on Friday, you know, is, is being asked to do things and shoot three. That's not who he is. That's not, that's not, <clears throat> that's not his skill set as a player. His skill set is getting downhill, getting to the rim and where he's going to make his living or where he's going to fail is his decisions making around that rim. But that, that wasn't going to work in New York. Right. So <clears throat> for, for me, um, in a vacuum, this trade is more about IQ and OG in a vacuum. Uh, and I don't feel good about it because I think he's the best player in the trade uh, in that regard. 
but this trade is not is not in a vacuum, right? This trade is going to be a series of two to three moves that may happen pretty quickly. Uh, I would be surprised if Dejounte Murray is not here by the trade deadline, if not sooner. And I would be surprised if one of those players is not then flipped for Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think things are going to happen pretty quick. Um, <clears throat> the only the only other item that I want to touch on, because I think it's material, is Julius. One of my favorite Knicks, man. Julius Randle, 25-10-5. Spotlight's on you now, brother. Spotlight is on you. I saw Obi getting under your skin. That's some funny-ass shit. Um, I don't believe in Julius Randle <clears throat> as far as bringing a championship to New York. And... <laughs> Part of that, part of that lack of belief is some of that crap last night, the thumbs down shit, whatever. Um, so there's an un, there's an undercurrent of that for me in this whole piece. Do I believe in Jalen Brunson? Yes, I believe in Jalen Brunson. I was uh, a Seton Hall alum, a little bit of basketball there. I don't believe in Julius Randall. <clears throat> so. Again, the long and short of it, how do I feel about it? I don't feel good about it because I'm attached to these guys, believe in these guys. I think that they're skilled players. Um, what do I think about it? I think the trade was necessary. I think it was part of Leon's plan. <clears throat> the proof is going to be in the pudding. <clears throat> right now they're building a team around uh, one guy I believe in and one guy I don't. And whether or not that second guy has slipped at some point. It's hard to say. That could be two to three years from now. We're just going to have to see how it plays out on the court. Thank you, <clears throat> thank you, Robert. And you're right. These trades aren't made in a vacuum. Um, uh, David Smith in the comments is saying the Knicks got worse. Uh, and uh, I'll, let me, I'll just re- well, I'll post it and then I'll read it. Hold on, let me give me silver here. I'll post it in the I'll post it on the <clears throat> jumbotron. Um, he said, no way to sugarcoat this. The Knicks got worse. Then he said, don't tell me you're walking your comments, walking back your comments from yesterday. Those are honest reactions to a trade that made the Knicks worse than before the trade. If the Knicks can't acquire a star, they are screwed. Um, I'm going to tell you a secret, David. It, whether they make this trade or not, the Knicks are screwed if they don't acquire a star. Because every team who does not acquire, every team who does not have a superstar, and that's what we're talking about, superstar, capital S superstar, as in best player on championship team guy, if we we're screwed. Um, trades aren't made in a vacuum. This is not this is, this team not the finished product. This team is no longer far from the finished product. So if you believe the, if you believe the Knicks took a step back today, that I won't push back on that. But this isn't the final product. Um, thank you, Robert. Uh, let's go to um, Kevin Danishevsky, and then we'll go to Robert Silverman. Uh, Kevin, let her rip. All right. So. I want to start off by saying um, I, and this is, I promise this will be relevant. To, this is a slight digression. I have spent the last few months um, just, you know, by virtue of growing up in the community that I grew up in, when thinking a lot about a very serious political issue and kind of spending a lot of my time thinking about that. And I 
have struggled to be diplomatic, even if my emotions are one way. Um, and I and I and I've struggled at it, but I, what I really have tried to be, and maybe that's why my impetus right now is to, to just be as undiplomatic as possible. Um, because I feel so strongly about the, how happy I am that the Knicks made this trade. And I have seen some takes that I, I can acknowledge are emotional and, and I get that there are emotions in this situation, but I am ha- personally... I'm going to be very honest. I'm having a hard time respecting those emotions um, because I feel like a lot of it comes from a couple of places. I think it comes from a place of hyping up, ha- like having a sense of what Sean really eloquently talked about to start the show and about the attachment to specifically R.J. Barrett. And specifically, I remember going on a space last year and bringing up the idea to someone that O.G. Ananobi would fit this team better than R.J. Barrett. And it was just, this, the, the response was, you're crazy. R.J. Barrett is a franchise player. Ipso facto. Ipso facto, R.J. Barrett is in it. The, the, the stat, I can bring up as many stats as I want. I can bring up as many good arguments. I can watch as many games as I want. But R.J. Barrett, ipso facto, is, uh, he, we, we, that's ridiculous. He's a franchise player. And O.G. Ananobi is just, is, is just some like wing who, could, you know, who is replaceable. And I feel personally validated because... Uh, well, from what I've seen today, and from what, 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 why I'm going to talk about this, the league agrees with me that OG Ananobi is leaps and bounds more valuable than this player. And I've had a, I've not communicated that well maybe in the past, and I've had a frustrating time, and maybe that's why I'm feel, uh, feeling as strongly as, 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 as I do right now, but... I feel like I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated because the league agrees with me. And one thing I want to say, and to Emmanuel quickly, oh, I still consider myself part of the IQ hive. Um, I still, I think that IQ could could very well be a star in this league. Um, but what I will view IQ as. I will, when the Knicks are in contention, when the Knicks make that trade for a star, which I think, I don't know how you view this trade and think, oh, the Knicks are now less likely to make the trade for the star because they have, now they, as I'm going to talk about, they have all their picks in the cupboard. They still have their main assets. Um, they are now in prime position to make that move. And... Um, and as Jeremy, maybe that requires going out and getting the, um, getting a tertiary guy who you're going to flip, or maybe that, or maybe you end up flipping Randall for for for, for the star, whatever whatever it is. Um, I think that um, 
like what I will think about in a few years when we are contenders is how think or and hopefully hanging that banner in Madison Square Garden is how thankful I am for Emmanuel quickly that all we had to give up for other than him for the prototypical wing that everybody knew we do that we you need when you have Jalen Brunson as your offensive engine. All that we had to give up for was RJ Barrett, who is a neutral was a neutral asset and filler. And it's that's that second round pick that's essentially an end of a first round. Uh, like I will be I am will be I'm so thankful that Emmanuel quickly has outplayed his value to the way that he has played it for, then that he got us closer to position. And yes, I, despite my shitting on RJ, I am thankful for him too. I am thankful for the moments that he's provided. And I, and I do, do think that this organization has progressed because of those, because of those moments, because of that big, those big playoff performances. But I saw some takes saying that, you know, we gave up the two best players in this deal, and I think we, we can certainly have the discussion about it quickly. And I think that's a nuanced discussion. If you think our, I, I, I just don't, I just don't have anything to say anymore. That if, if you think RJ Barrett is a better is, is right now a better basketball player than OG Ananobi, I, I, I don't have anything to say to you uh, because I could cite stats, I could watch the games, but I, I, I don't know. Like rational arguments are just not are, are, are not going to work. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited, um, and I'm exhilarated, um, to be honest with you. Um, and, um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Um, no, no, Robert, Kevin, sorry. Um, thank you, Kevin. So, you know, Ke- Kevin, I'll say this in, in response to what you said before we get to Robert Silverman and, and, and then Andy P, um, y- you can be, if you are pissed the f- bleep off that RJ Barrett is no longer on this team, I will not I will not begrudge you. If you are pissed the hell off that Manuel Quickly is no longer this team, I will not begrudge you. To your point, Kevin, the hyperbolic statements, you know, about, you know, if you say like, you know, uh they got the two best players in the deal and that it's like, all right, you know what? Uh bargaining is one of the five stages of grief. So I will not begrudge you to feel the way you feel, because even though I, you know, I've been following this team over 30 years and I don't, and I've learned Sean, to, to be clear. I don't begrudge that. I don't begrudge people who feel that way, but I just, it is hard for me in this moment to conjure up sympathy for it. For, for, for. No, no, that's fine. Like yeah. two things can be true. Like you can, I'm not going to begrudge you, but you know, and I have some sympathy. Like you people, people develop an emotional attachment to players and um, look, my my favorite my favorite English soccer team is Tottenham Hotspur. Our, arguably our greatest player of all time, Harry Kane, left this summer. And I knew it was time for him to go. It was time for him to go because he was getting, he hadn't won anything. He was getting up there in age. It was his last chance to win anything and he got a move. And I understood it and I didn't begrudge him from leaving, but that shit pissed me off. But I understood. I got it. So I don't begrudge anyone who feels that way. One quick thing I just want to say is like, I do think that there are some people who, and it's fine to be attached to a player, and it's but I do think that we need to be honest in the conversation of like there there are some people who I just think think to say I'm an RJ Barrett fan, and that's fine. That's but also but like 
admit that R.J. Barrett, about being an R.J. Barrett fan, comes before being a Knicks fan for you. And that's fine. That's okay. Attaching, having that emotional attachment. But if you're a Knicks fan, I just don't see how you can make a rational as a rational argument as to, and I get giving up quickly, and that's sort of a different conversation. Um, but some of the, uh, some of the, I, I could, I just don't see how you can like make some of the arguments rationally that others are, that I've been making here. That's all. No, I understand that. Yeah, I understand that. Um, and I was responding to you just to remind me of something before we get to Robert Silverman. I'm going to say one thing again, do not grade this trade today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Don't, don't say the Raptors want to trade. Don't say the Knicks want to trade. It is way too early. I have posted a Jumbotron, a Bleacher, Bleacher Report article from 2012 after the Warriors traded Monte Ellis to the Bucks for Andrew Bogut. And I remember at the time, Warriors fans were pissed because they loved Monte Ellis and they were like, why are we turning the keys over to this little skinny dude with bad ankles? And if you look at the if you look at this article, it article declares the Bucks the winners and the Warriors the losers. Funny how that works out. Now, I'm not saying that we are going to win the trade or lose the trade. What I'm saying is it is way too early for us to determine who won or who lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go to Robert Silverman, who's been patiently waiting. Thank you for your uh, thank you for your patience. Then we'll go to Andy P. Anyone else have anything to say? Please uh, raise your hand, come to the stage, or leave a comment in the chat. Mr. Silverman, the floor is yours. Good morning, Robert Silverman. Going? Yeah, once. I'm here. Oh, there you go, mute monster. I get I it. Am. Yep, yep, mute button. Uh, as long as we're taking a stroll down Nick's history, the trade that this reminds me of is Charles Oakley for Marcus Camby. And I'm not comparing R.J. Barrett or Emmanuel that's a great com- that's a great comparison, Robert. Yeah, to either of to Oakley in terms of his impact on the Knicks franchise or his skill on the court or anything like that. But I remember when I heard about that trade, I was devastated because he's Oak. You can't trade Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley is what the Knicks are. Charles Oakley was the heart and soul of that team. You, what, what are the Knicks if they're not Charles Oakley, you know, rearranging some guy's dentures with his elbow? That's who we are. You can't do that. That's insane. And after about, you know, a day or so of being all up in my feelings, you know, I read some things. I looked at Marcus Camby. I looked at where the league was going at the time. I looked at what the Knicks needed. I realized, okay, this makes sense. And just in terms of an emotional architecture, that's where I'm falling right now. I get all the reasons that, that you and John and all the smart people who cover the Knicks have laid out about why this makes sense. But to me, in a lot of ways, both Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett were the soul of this team. Or they're the soul of this team 
that pulled the Knicks out of a two-decade-long rut of being a laughingstock. And when Emmanuel quickly was going good and skipping up and down the sideline, and when R.J. Barrett was mean-mugging and scowling after finishing a tough end one, more than Jalen Brunson even, although no one will deny that Jalen Brunson is a superior player, or more than Julius Randle even, even though no one will deny that Julius, when he's on, is a superior player, those guys defined the last three and a half years of success. And so to say, sorry, those guys are gone now, I think it's okay to give everyone time to work out how they feel about that. And I, I, as an Emmanuel Quickly fan, I am fairly confident that he will be a borderline all-star, if not an outright all-star in Toronto. Uh, that I'm, I'm willing to... I'm willing to lay cash or, or horrible, humiliating bets on that. And, and that's okay if it turns out that this trade leads to a better next future. But I'm never going to stop being an Emmanuel Quickly fan because that's, that's why we do this. We do this to invest emotionally in these guys running around in their underwear. Um, that's the contract we enter into. So... For me, you know, look, Quickly's going to do great, and there are going to be nights where I'm going to look up his stat line or watch a game, and I'm going to think, wow, we really sold the, we sold low on this guy, or wow, we got fleeced or whatever. That's okay, too. Um, I'm gl- he was never, you know, just the switching on the logical part of my head, he was never going to get a shot in New York with this front office and this head coach. Do I think that is misguided and wrong? Yeah, I do. But since Leon Rose isn't going anywhere, and it seems like Tibbs is coach for as long as he as he wants to remain coach, this was the best possible path. But fundamentally, I think it's a misuse of assets and it's roster mismanagement. That's the thing that if if we're really breaking down the nuts and bolts of it, that's where I lied. It there's a, a Jared. Dubin, who writes a substack called This Morning, Last Night in Basketball, has an excellent breakdown uh, explaining all of that, that argument in greater detail. Uh, I would recommend that everybody give it a read. Jared is a great basketball writer and football writer, too. But to me, you know, I'm just I'm, it's it's 1998 all over again. And Charles Oakley is a Toronto Raptor. So that's where I am right now. Thanks so much, guys. Yo, excuse me. That's a great call. Robert, that was a great, great pull because I forgot about that uh, trade. Um, uh, Nabil Hoops and Sydney, we will get to you. We will get to you uh, shortly after get to Andy P. But I will say two things really quickly because I remember that trade and people were pissed. How could you trade Charles Oakley? How could you trade for this skinny little mother whatever from 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 the Raptors who didn't do anything? He's in the third. And guess what? Now Marcus Camby is a is beloved because he was vital to that ninety nine Knicks team. Absolutely you know what, vital. You know what? The, his nickname, his derisive nickname at the time, was Cotton Camby because he was too soft. Yep, That's he, what they called him. Yep, he was soft and he was skinny and he was seen as a bust because he, he was a number two pick, whatever. But he was the he was the perfect fit for that ninety nine team. I'm not, I'm not saying that I know that. Well, no, I know that OG and Nobi's a perfect fit for this team. Um, 
under this head coach and this front in this front office. And I'm not saying that he's I'm not saying that he's gonna spark this run to the finals this year or next year, but that was an absolute great call. I appreciate you. And I'll say one thing really quickly, because brother, you brought up a good point about IQ not working for this front office and this coach. Um the one person that you should be, if, if I, if you ask me where should you direct your anger, I would direct it to Tom Thibodeau because Tom Thibodeau, as John said in the post game, um, <laughs> fittingly after RJ's last game, when we played Oklahoma city, Tom Thibodeau's a box checker and he sees, he looks at you and says, no, actually, he's, what he says is, all right, my point guard needs to be this, my shooting guard needs to be this, my wings need to be this, and my center needs to be this, and my and I that's what I need. And if you do not fill those, if you do not fill the requirements for these positions, not going to use you. There's someone that told me that he believes that Tom Tibble is a poor talent evaluator. I always thought that was harsh, but now I see what that person means more and more. Um Emmanuel quickly did not check the box boxes that Tom Tibber required for him to start. And if he flourishes in Toronto, which I believe he will, like, I don't like, there are people saying he's going to be a perennial all-star in Toronto. I'm not going to go that far, but he's going to get his chance to shine. And if he shines and this franchise falters, People are going to look at him and say, why didn't you make it work with this guy? Why didn't you leave this guy? The data showed you that this guy in the line just makes his team better, but he didn't check the boxes that you wanted. Like, sometimes you got to color outside the lines. Sometimes. Sometimes.